Yes, indeed, there are more questions and answers. Like, shouldn't we change the name of type 1 diabetes and type 2 diabetes to not your fault diabetes and mostly your fault diabetes? <laughs> Hi, America. Hello, world. My name is Adrian Lee and I am your host. Welcome to the show, more questions than answers. The only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your lights and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting or for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and all value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce our guests. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather went to a funeral this week of a friend that tragically drowned. She got them a wreath in the shape of a life belt. Well, it's what they would have wanted. Oh, God. Welcome to the show, Heather. Hello. I also wish to introduce Dr. Nathan Bush. He has three PhDs, but still thinks that pubic hair was a character from Beatrix Potters. <laughs> he is also known for creating Martin Dust Devil and for the unique invention of storing goats on a rack. Welcome to the show, Nathan. Good evening. How are you? I am very well, thank you, sir. This is Series 2, Episode 80. 80 is the kind of number you want as your best friend. He can help you hide a body and then give you advice on appropriate funerary decorations. According to Exodus 7-7, Moses was 80 years old when he first spoke to the pharaohs on behalf of his people. 
Eight is also the upper age limit for cardinals to vote in papal elections. So no vote for Moses, unfortunately. Mm. Exodus, of course, is where God told Moses to take off his shoes and approach the burning bush. And Moses did so and burnt his feet. And God said, ha ha, third one today. (laughs) I'm sure that's how it went. Something, something like that. 80 days was the time allotted in the book Around the World in 80 Days by Jules Verne in 1873. Jules Verne has many wondrous quotes. He says, a true Englishman doesn't joke when he is talking about so serious a thing as a wager. And of course, a cup of tea. We mustn't forget the holy cup of tea. I was travelling through America on a road trip with my ex-wife on a rural road and a state trooper pulled me over and said, Sir, do you realise a woman fell out of your car several miles back? I replied, thank God for that. I thought I was going deaf. (laughs) 80 is also the atomic number of Mercury. Mrs Mercury, can Freddie come out to play? No. Mamma mia, mamma mia, mamma mia, let me go. Not until you've finished your dinner, Frederick. I'm sure that's how it went. (laughs) Don't stop me now. Every week I enjoy reading out the mailbag. Here we go. I love all of your email comments. I love all of the posts that you post on Facebook. Brett in Washington simply posted, Is that a northern accent? Nope, sir, that's an East End of London Cockney accent. God blimey, Mary Poppins. He then goes on to say he loves watching British TV with the captions on because he can't understand any of the accents. (laughs) I do a similar thing, actually, with Swamp People. Don't you just love how the History Channel glamorises redneck culture? Quality, informative, educational broadcasting with a remit towards the presentation of history martin in new york then jumps in and says heather does a great southern accent yay i know i do okay (laughs) you don't want to comment on that you don't want to lose some points early on i'll I'll wait until later okay we'll we'll have to wait it's coming it's like christmas The excitement is palpable. I have tears rolling down my legs. (laughs) Tim in Cambridge, back in Britain, has written, Love this programme, but I have developed a snort when I laugh. (laughs) Well, I do believe they are contagious. That's my mother. Michelle is actually in quarantine this week because they're contagious. He then asks if he can come a close second tonight. Why not? So I will see if I can make you the best place loser by the end of the evening. But you are up against some very stiff competition. Bruce asks, can you laugh too much? Well, throughout history, many people have actually died through laughing. The Greek philosopher Chrysippus died of laughing in the third century when he saw a donkey eating figs. And a passing British radio host said, I wonder if he wants a glass of wine to wash them down. And he died of laughing. That is a true story, I tell you. The bit about the British broadcaster walking by, I made up. But he went and asked his slave if he'd like to get the donkey a glass of wine to wash the figs down. And apparently, this is what people were laughing at in the third century in Greece. He fell over and died, apparently. Oh, boy. Perhaps if Bruce just listens to Heather's parts, he'll be fine. Oh. Stephen in Florida. Yay. Florida. Just me. I feel an idiot when we say Florida and then only I cheer. I thought the convention was. Yay. 
It's too late now. <laughs> Stephen in Florida writes, I have a feeling you're all a bit mad. <laughs> yes. Whatever gave him that idea. But, but this is a man in Florida, so this is a bit, you know, the pot calling the kettle black here, I have to say. But he says you have the most informative and educational talk show out there. Now he that's says, funny. Alas, <laughs> he says, alas, it ends too soon it does leave them wanting more Stephen is what I would say I'd be dead if we did this for two hours a week I couldn't manage that that would be ridiculous <laughs> Alva posted I want to start the official Heather Morris fan club yay yay obviously a man who likes the bottle dedicated <laughs> dedicated to the alluring intelligent beautiful evervescent Heather Morris checks in the mail <laughs> Richard then chipped in and said Adrian took 100 points away from me once for liking Heather but it was worth every point so apparently (laughs) that was not a deterrent Bruce then suggests the first meeting of that fan club should be held in Dairy Queen (laughs) hallowed turf indeed finally Christine in Georgia simply put you are all so funny Many, many thanks. I feel like you're all friends and we are sat in the bar all BSing around the table. Remember, those people posted on Facebook. We have a Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. All of tonight's stories will be there, plus much, much more stories we don't have time to read out. All the photographs, all the video footage, all the chat, all of the jokes, all of the discussions will be on there. Our shows are archived. You can find our shows on soundcloud.com if you search for MQTA Radio. They go back three years. If you're walking the dog, driving in the car, working in the gym, perhaps you're out in the shed. Any manner of wondrous things. You could be sat in the classroom listening to me telling jokes about Florida. Yeah. It's all there for you. If you go to iTunes, TuneIn and Stitcher, we are also there. And they're a week behind. Our archives are a week behind because... Dark Matter Radio likes to play our show throughout the course of the week. We also have a Twitter account. If you go to Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips, that's T-I-P-S for the International Paranormal Society. We have around 84,000 followers on there. We have a YouTube channel. More questions and answers with Adrian Lee with lots of fun outtakes and interesting things on there that will make you laugh also if you're listening to the show currently and you're listening online and on dark matter radio why don't you spread the word go onto facebook go onto all your social media platforms and tell the world that you're currently listening to more questions than answers we have a hundred thousand listeners in a hundred and 90 countries thank you for listening i also have the book out at the moment available on amazon and all good bookshops how to be a christian psychic what the bible says about healers, mediums, and paranormal investigators. My organization, I am the founder of the International Paranormal Society. We have an event on the 22nd of October. Halloween is nearly upon us, of course. I have plenty of Halloween stories coming up already. Great. One of the most haunted schools in the Midwest. I think it was voted the fourth most haunted school in Iowa or the Midwest. Really? Yeah, it's a school in a place called Viola in Iowa we are doing an event there is a tips event taking place at this school it's never been open before to the public it's a very very haunted building if you wish to go along it's the 22nd of October they're bringing all the equipment 
there's definitely going to be two very experienced paranormal investigators going to be there that are the Iowa team for the TIPS, the International Paranormal Society. That's Sarah and Adam. They are charging $30 for the evening, and all that money goes to renovating that particular building. So we're looking to make sure historic buildings will still be there in 100 years from now. So that money will be going to that building to make sure there's renovations that need to be done. It's an abandoned schoolhouse. And if you're interested in going, they're going to bring all the equipment. Lots of people have it on their bucket list that they want to investigate with a paranormal team in sure. a haunted building around Halloween with some of the most experienced paranormal investigators in the world. That's and you now have the chance. This is available to you as we speak. Tickets will be limited, of course, because everyone wants to have a great experience. So if people are interested in going to that particular event, if they search for abandoned Viola School investigation, they will find that on the internet. Or you can go to a post on Facebook too. If you go to the investigation at abandoned Viola School on Facebook, there's currently a site for that and you can buy tickets and you can go on an investigation in a very very haunted school with all the equipment with all of the experienced investigators a week before halloween and i have investigated that building it is great it's just a joy if people go to our facebook walls or go to my site into paranormal.net there are photographs of that particular investigation so i would recommend that if people don't have anything to do on the 22nd of October. Now, last weekend, we spent all of our time up in Long Prairie. It's in the middle of Minnesota in a place called Todd County. I've investigated the Christie House. It's a fabulous building. It was built in 1901 by Dr. Robert Christie. It's a vacuum. The Minnesota Historical Society say this building is a jewel because only the Christie family lived there and it got donated to the Historical Society in the town in 1976 and not a single thing was changed in that building from 1901. It's a vacuum of history. And we investigated this particular property last year. I've written a small novella called The History and the Haunting of the Christie House, Long Prairie, Minnesota. And we did a flashlight tour. We invited people to come along. We sold out both evenings. We went around the property and I showed them all the evidence of all the ghosts and all the hauntings, the photographs, the video footage, the poltergeist activity, all of the EVPs, all of that money went to the Christie Home Historical Society. So again, lots of fabulous things. Thank you to all those people that came along to that and we generated a lot of income for that particular non-profit organisation. Now, Miss Morris, go yes. on, jump May in. May I just say one thing about the Christie House? Hello to Scott and by the light. By the light. Would you care to explain that or are we just going to leave that hanging? I thought you could elaborate on it a so little bit. So you come in with a sentence <laughs> because you're and then a... commit me to 10 minutes of radio. No, just do it one minute. You're do it in great... one minute. Yeah, you're such a great storyteller. When we teller. investigated that particular building, <laughs> they had an Edison Vitrola, which they I did. believe cost $300 back in 1914, 1915. Yeah. And we decided to wind up this Vitrola. We decided to put the old gramophone records on and uh -huh. see if anything would come through. This is called the Singapore Theory. This is where you play music of the period. Yeah. You dress up in period costume. Uh -huh. You leave trigger objects around that are relevant to that particular historical period because you're wanting the ghosts and spirits to hear and feel familiar things and to feel safe. You're trying to use this as a catalyst to get them to come through. 
So we chose that Aidan Johnson classic from 1913, By the Light of the Silvery Moon. It'll get stuck in your head. It is a classic. We played that. We had <laughs> a lot of activity. The we point did. is that Scott up in Duluth was singing that for the next three months. Yes, Constantly <laughs> in his head. He had to have electrotherapy just to get that removed. Once you've made a synaptic link, it's impossible to break. It is. If it wasn't for that shock treatment, so just the fact that Scott's listening now in Duluth and you've brought that up. I know. Means all that thousands of dollars worth of therapy. I know. Is now in the trash. I know. By the light of the silvery moon, I want to spawn. The thing is that the gramophone, the gramophone record, this, this Vitrola is so old that the belts have stretched. Yeah. So as you're winding it up, it literally goes. The silvery moon, I want to It's really, really creepy. Yeah. And when you had to that, all the hissing and the popping. Yeah. But that's especially, and sometimes, over the course of the last year, when I've gone around the country giving lectures on mm -hmm. the paranormal, on ghosts, and on hauntings. <laughs> I send Scott in front of a big auditorium full of people because I'm describing what's happening. Yeah. So I'm telling a big auditorium of people in the Midwest this very story that I'm telling you now. And because it's funny and because this is stuck in Scott's head, he's our <laughs> team leader based up in Superior, that I get my phone out in front of all of these people and I text the words by the light dot 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 <laughs> and i send it to scott well without fail <laughs> 20 seconds later my phone beeps in a full auditorium full of people and all he's written back is the word dick that <laughs> <laughs> so just makes me laugh i feel sorry for the guy yes it's a song that gets stuck <laughs> it does in your head and you cannot remove it Poor Scott. <laughs> it's terrible. So you've got to thank Heather there. You're welcome. For committing me to two minutes of radio and for Scott, who needs to get back into therapy. Now, Scott was with us yeah, when was. we investigated also at the weekend up in Todd Prairie, just down the road, a couple of miles, there's a place called Gutchie's Grove. Yeah. I love the name Gutchie's Grove. You know, terrible things have happened at Gutchie's Grove, right? I know, right? I know. That's a terrible thing. It's like Gobbler's Creek or something. You know bad things have happened. Yeah. Banjos and everything. Grove. There's a creamery. Yeah. I've never investigated a creamery before. I like the idea of writing about social history. So if I investigate a creamery, I can talk about the social history of Minnesota. I can talk about dairy production. I can talk about cattle. It opens up a whole chapter of history for me. So I was very right. excited to investigate Gutchie's Grove. Creamery. Now, we're sat there in the dark, as is the want of a paranormal investigator. Psychically, we're in what's called the boiler room, because right. obviously a lot of this process, whether you're making cheese or butter, there's heat involved. So there's an area called the boiler room. So we're in the factory. It's all disused. In the middle of nowhere, I might add. If we'd have died there, they'd still be looking for our bodies now. And we're sat there, and psychically... I thought a gentleman came through called Frank. So I'm writing this on my sketch pad in front of me. Frank. Hello, Frank. Psychically, clairvoyantly, I'm asking him questions. I'm asking him if he's married. I'm asking him what he used to do for a job. And by the way, he came through and said he was a greaser. 
Now, I thought originally that was some sort of biker with a switchblade and a leather jacket. But a greaser right. apparently is somebody who has to grease the moulds. So the butter and the cheese then come out, you see. So this is making sense. We then turn on the ghost box. This is a device that scans AM and FM frequencies very quickly. It creates mm-hmm. white noise. Mm-hmm. So it's all very well me being psychic and saying I've got this gentleman come through. His name's Frank. The interesting thing is that now the ghost box is spitting out the same information and everybody's hearing it. We've got it recorded. We could play it on next week's show. And the gentleman comes through again and I say who's there and he says, Frank, and everyone's hearing it. Yeah. I said, what's your last name, Frank? Because if I haven't got a last name, I can't do historical research. I can't look in obituaries. I can't go through the obituaries of every single person who's died in Long Prairie looking for a Frank. I'd be there forever. So I asked him for his last name. He said Gordon, Frank Gordon. I then asked him a whole series of questions again. When he was married, how old he was, where he went to school. I'm interviewing him. I'm interviewing the dead. This is primary source material if you're a historian. This is like interviewing your granddad and asking him what he did during the war. Right. But this guy died in the 1940s, the 1950s. And we had a full conversation with him. We then did some very quick historical research, literally the next day. We banged on the door of the Historical Society on a Sunday until they opened up. And we found that there was a gentleman working in the creamery in Long Prairie at the same time. And his name was Frank Gordon. This is remarkable. It is. I bet he worked in the creamery down the road in Gutch's Grove as well. How can you argue that an afterlife doesn't exist? How can you argue that there's no such things as ghosts when psychically I got all the information come through? And people can argue with that and say you're making it up. You're just pulling stuff out of your mind. Anything you want to come along. You could have done the research beforehand. Then the ghost box, which I have no control over spits out the same information for everybody to hear and reinforces and backs up everything I got psychically. Yeah. Then you find the guy in historical detail. You find his records. You find his obituary. You find his census details. I don't know every resident that's ever lived in Long Prairie. I don't know who worked in the creamery. And that wraps that up with a bow. How would you argue with that? You wouldn't. The other thing I want to mention, poor Scott's a bag of nerves. Poor guy. I know. He's got grey hair, drawn face. He's only in his 20s. Loves you, Scott. I love you. He's an air traffic controller. The guy's a bag of nerves. There's planes going into the sea all over Lake Superior at the moment. If you're on a plane going north at the moment and you're going over Superior, I would be worried and concerned. (laughs) There's currently an air traffic controller sat in Superior whistling to the light of the silvery moon as your plane is hurtling towards the ground. There is a paranormal (laughs) quiz show dying to get out. Our first round, of course, is Ghosts and Hauntings. We're all on zero apart from Tim who's on minus one, which means he's in a close second. What is the story behind Halloween? These 10 terrifying facts and legends will scare the wits out of you. Sure sign Halloween is upon us. Michael's Halloween. You know, Michael's where you have all the crafts and all of the house decorations. Oh, Michael's. Michael's. God blimey. (laughs) Mary Poppins. (laughs) Michael's, they're having their Halloween house. They've got a little Halloween display that has a fun fair and lots of Halloween houses, like a Halloween village okay, with lots of little ghosts. Only in America 
Could that be sat next to the Christmas village? Yay! <laughs> I want to mix the two together. I want to see two coming together there. It's a bit like Tim Burton, isn't it? I love you Tim mixing Burton Halloween too. with the Christmas village and seeing what happens would be ridiculous. Halloween is fast approaching, which means it's almost time to look out for the ghosties and the ghoulies. Heather, have you ever been caught by the ghosties? Yes. You have. Nathan, have you ever been grabbed by the ghoulies? No. <laughs> Not to mention things that go bump in the night. It's also fun practice for the rest of us to watch a classic horror movie or tell ghost stories and scare the heck out of each other. Around the world, many countries have their own weird Halloween traditions and some of them are downright bizarre. And there's no end of urban myths designed to freak you out. Prepare to be chilled to your very core with these terrifying Halloween tales. So we're still in September, and here's an article outlining some of the traditions of Halloween. Here we are in September. Loves it. Number one, dressing up and scaring off evil spirits. Did you know that's why we dress up? Every day of the year. You do. (laughs) Every day is Halloweenus for you, isn't it? You might think putting on a mask is just for kids, but it was actually adopted by pagans in the community during someone to scare off evil spirits. What started out as animal skins and heads has turned into something a little less gruesome now. It was hoped that wandering spirits seeing people in their weird disguises would assume they were also spirits and leave them alone. Kind of like marking your territory. Pretty much. (laughs) It's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. If you walk around pretending you're one of them, you're fine. Do you walk around pretending you're one of them, Nathan? No. (laughs) Shaun of the Dead. They yeah. practice being zombies, don't they? That's they right. stagger towards the pub, going, yeah. and they survive. This is where we are. You're meant to look like the spirits, and then they leave you alone. They think that you're one of them. Jack-o'-lanterns were originally made from turnips, by the way. The British tradition of carving a scary face into a vegetable was originally done with turnips. When Irish immigrants took the idea of the jack-o'-lantern to America, they started using pumpkins because they were cheaper than turnips the legend of stingy jack inspired the carving he trapped the devil only letting him go on the condition that jack would never go to hell however when he died jack learned that heaven was out due to his devilish dealings so he was condemned to wander the earth as a ghost for eternity i'll just read a couple more because these are fun if you wish to read all 10 then you need to go to our facebook site more questions and answers with Adrian Lee, but I shall read a couple more for you. If you bite into a Halloween cake and hit a thimble, you'll be unlucky in love, apparently. What's a thimble doing in there? Well, a part of the Halloween tradition in colonial America involved the baking of a Halloween cake, and bakers would hide various things in the cake to tell the future. Needles? A thimble? That's not a good thing to have in a cake, is it? <laughs> oh, you're going to be lucky in love. You found the needle. <laughs> By the way, if you swallow a needle, it hurts twice. (laughs) Bakers would hide various things in the cakes. A thimble was a symbol of bad luck with the ladies or gentlemen. A condom would be worse, wouldn't it? You'd be chewing that for some time. You'd have trouble getting that down. More modern versions of those cakes. Michael Myers' mask in the movie Halloween was the face of William Shatner. Yes, I knew that. Because the film had an incredibly low budget, the prop department on horror classic Halloween had to dress the serial killer Michael Myers in the cheapest mask they could find 
in their local fancy dress shop. <laughs> Yay! Turns out that was the mask of William Shatner, which cost them the princely sum of two bucks. They modified it a bit, spray-painted it white, and made it a bit scary. It became one of the iconic images of horror cinema. William Shatner claims to have gone trick-or-treating in the mask of his own face. No <laughs> way. That's fantastic. Is that true? That's true. God's oh, honest. God. That's fantastic, isn't it? If you're in Italy, you could enjoy the beans of the dead. What? The beans of the dead. Dead beans? In Italy, they have a traditional oh. Halloween recipe, which is kind of an oval cookie, a bit like a macaroon. It's called fave de morte, which roughly translates as the beans of the dead. I'm going to start a band called the Beans of the Dead. B-O-D. Bod. We are the Beans of the Dead. I'm going to give myself wow. two points for being informative and interesting. Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight? You're generous. In the Okay. <laughs> I see where we are. In the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. I am actually going to be informative tonight. Well, let's not prejudge it. You tell me. And I will tell you if you're being informative. Well, this article, I'm going to actually give them credit. It came from the iTeam Troubleshooter. Paranormal expert Ryan Buell is facing charges for theft. Now, he's been in the news in the past, like in 2012, 2013, 2014. Yes. And I'll go on to explain why. Buell claims to be a paranormal expert and appeared on the cable TV series Paranormal State. You guys may have remembered it. I, I do even, recall. I even remember watching it. That involved looking for ghosts or trying to prove that life after death is real. Buell has a pretty big fan base across the country, but several fans started questioning Buell in 2014. He started a tour called Conversations with the Dead Tour. Tickets were sold to shows in cities across the U.S. and Canada, but the shows got postponed and then canceled and fans were left with no answers and looking for refunds. Fans were out hundreds of dollars and wanted their money back. Many of them never got a dime back and some were able to get refunds by disputing the charge on their credit card. So that was at least lucky. In 2014, Chip Coffey, a longtime friend of Buell's, was scheduled to be on Conversations with the Dead tour with Buell, and he said thousands of dollars were at stake. At the time, Coffey said Buell's team was in charge of all the details for the tour, but nothing was booked despite selling tickets to the show. Coffey said they sold tickets in excess of 80000 so he swindled $80,000. $80,000, no yep. And he's getting caught up with. Yep. He had actually, uh, I'm going to kind of go into his history just a little bit. 2014 was not the first time Buell canceled shows. In 2012, he canceled shows claiming he was fighting pancreatic cancer. In late 2013, Buell told People Magazine he was close to remission, ready to tour again, and he started selling tickets for a 2014 tour. Yet several of those shows never happened either. So now Buell is actually in jail right now. Buell's, He's in jail? He is. Wow. Buell's mother writes to Buell's fans on his Facebook page, please stop enabling his situation by sending money, buying tickets to events that may never occur, buying merchandise, phone calls you may never get, paying money to watch him on Twitch, which I have to look up because I have no idea what that is, and giving him offers of shelter. I am pleading with you to out of the love for my son, and I'm frightened by what his situation has become. 
So his mom knows that he's been swindling people. And because people are still embracing the idea of buying merchandise that's right buying tickets he's getting in deeper and deeper trouble he can't stop the floodgates that's right fans and one-time fans quickly commented on buell's mother's post some defending buell others saying how buell has taken money from them too one fan talking about how buell was sick and his mom actually wrote back and said he's ill but not from cancer. His family knows the real story. You all need to stop believing his lies and stop enabling him, please. So the suggestion is allegedly that he didn't have cancer. That's right. Allegedly. He's yes. M- okay. His mom is saying, no, we know how sick he really is, but it's not from that. At last check, Buell remains in the Florence County Detention Center in South Carolina. That's remarkable. There are a lot of people, I know a lot of people around Uh, the country mm -hmm. in the same field that I work in Yes, that have done paranormal expos, that have done events and then cancelled them Yes, and not given money back. Or they take all the top names in the paranormal field, they say they're going to be there, people buy their tickets and then those people were never penciled in to come. That's right. You then get C celebrities turning up. And That's they say, right. well, we presented a show. It's like saying, I'm going to go and watch the Rolling Stones. And you buy a ticket to see the Rolling Stones. And then a pub band appears. That's right. Yeah. And you don't see the Rolling Stones. You see a pub band, a bar band. But you paid a Rolling Stone price. Yes. yes. And then you get to see celebrities. <laughs> there should be a lot of people around the Midwest that are currently very worried Yes. Because they're doing exactly the same things. Yes, and that's exactly what Ryan Buell did. He promised A-list celebrities, and then all of a sudden they'd cancel, including Chip Coffey. He walked out of it. He said there was lots of promises made, and none of them were met. There we go. Well, you should have points for being informative. I shall put you on two as well. A bereaved woman claims she captured the ghost of her dead dog on camera while taking a video of her new pet. Kimberly Pierce, 40, had to have Cocker Spaniel Sadie put down just a week earlier and was filming a new puppy, Bella, when she said she saw the spooky apparition. The footage appears to show a dog-shaped spirit flash across the room while the other dog scampers around. Kimberly from North Carolina in the United States believes it was 12-year-old Sadie coming back to tell her she had forgiven her for having her put down. Kimberly said it was only a few days after when I was showing the video to a friend that I saw her appear. I just knew it was her. That was my dog. I was in shock. I went outside. I started to cry. But then I started to smile. I had been begging for her to give me a sign. You can see it's a white and caramel color and so was my little girl. The video has been taken around lunchtime with no cars going past my house to make a reflection. No birds for the shadow or anything like that. We live quite far out in the country. Kimberly said it might sound strange, but a couple of days after Sadie died, I finally went out and sat out on the porch and had a half an hour conversation with her. I felt so guilty because I was the one who made the decision to have her put down. I signed the papers. I was shaking even just writing my name on them. And I just wanted to tell her, Sadie, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me for what I've done. In that conversation, I begged and begged for her or God to send me a sign so I knew that she would be okay. I already suffer from severe depression and anxiety attacks and through the months of Sadie's illness, I was getting worse 
and worse. But Kimberly believes this was a one-off visitation from her companion. Kimberly said, I'm not holding out for Sadie to appear again. I think she was just answering me after our conversation on the porch. I would like for people to know that lost ones are here with you. They can come back to let you know they're okay and that they're loved. I want people to see Sadie and to smile. If people wish to see that video footage, they can go to our Facebook site. More questions than answers with Adrian Lee. My first pet was a tortoise. This has been well documented. His name was Freddy, but unlike the Mercury, he was very, very slow. I'm wondering if my tortoise would come back to visit me. That would be like the scene in Austin Powers with the steamroller slowly going towards the gulf. <laughs> I could be pinned in the corner of my bedroom, shaking in horror with the blood draining from the face and my hair standing up on the back of my neck as the ghostly tortoise slowly makes its way towards me. I could be there for days. It took two and a half days to get that message because it had to walk up the path to get to me. If you're going to be haunted by a pet, can you imagine being haunted by a tortoise? It's yeah. slowly, slowly catching up with you everywhere you go. There's no respite. It's like a zombie. Do you know the way zombies stagger slowly towards you and you're trying to outrun them and all they've got is the zombie walk? That's like a tortoise, isn't it? Constantly, throughout your entire life, it's following you and you can't get away. If you just sit down for five hours to watch the TV, it's slowly gonna get there right it's always imminent just see what i'm saying have you had coffee i may have had a little bit this is true <laughs> nathan what have you got for us tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings tourists visiting a national trust castle were spooked by images which appeared to show an apparition in flowing black robes and no one knows who it is it's a tortoise with a cape on <laughs> The site was captured on camera at Uxborough Hall in Norfolk, and it has caused consternation amongst those who frequent the medieval country house. Swathed in a long black cloak, the figure appears to be leaning on the bridge with both hands. And the scariest part is that a woman who is standing about a meter away seems to be completely oblivious of the specter. The picture was snapped by day-tripper Diane Barron, who was visiting the house built in 1482. The 46-year-old from Norwich said she was stunned when she realized that she had captured on her camera. Previous online reports claim that the figure of a cloaked woman haunts the grounds of Oxborough Hall after she mysteriously went missing 300 years ago. Despite differing beliefs on who is the apparition, Diane adamantly maintains that she did not edit her picture and that there was a dark figure on the bridge. I took several pictures, she said, and there were no special events on at the hall that day. It wasn't until later that I saw that there was a dark figure on the bridge at the hall. Have you seen this picture? Yeah, it's, it's very, bunk. It's bunk, is it? Yeah, at least you bunk. waited until he got to the end before you said that. <laughs> Normally you stop me after the first sentence. <laughs> Thank you, Heather. You're I welcome. thought it looked quite reasonable, to be honest. It's a hoodie. It's, it's a bunk. hoodie. Someone in a hoodie. Yeah. Why is someone in a hoodie visiting... A 14th century castle. Why not? That's not what people in hoodies do. <laughs> this isn't where we are. What have you got for me, Miss Morris, in the round of Ghosts and Hauntings? Oh, now I can be funny, right? Go on, it's your turn. All right, a BBC weather forecast in Wales recently told viewers 
that they could expect to encounter some Nazi ghosts along with a cold front in the days ahead. Nazi oh. ghosts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> see, this is the type of rain we get in Britain. Oh, see how descriptive see. we are. Well, what actually happened is a subtitling of the forecast delivered by the BBC Wales presenter, Sue Charles, was supposed to read the North Sea coast. Well, that sounds similar <laughs> to Nazi ghost. <laughs> but a glitch in the automatic subtitling mistranscribed the phrase as Nazi ghost. <laughs> it's lucky she didn't tell people to pluck a chicken. Oh, no. Viewers picked up on the snap you quickly. For a moment, you might have thought that the Nazis had come back from beyond the grave to invade the country from the North Sea, one quipped. Uh, the forecast was filmed in Landolf, Cardiff. A BBC employee told the Daily Mail that it was a problem of automation and not a human error. Our auto subtitling automatically transcribes the words it hears. Was that a storm, trooper? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> every, every once in a while, the employees said there will be an odd blooper, and this is just one of them. This wasn't the first time the station encountered some technical difficulties. In 2002, one broadcaster asked for a moment of violence during the Queen Mother's funeral. A moment of violence? <laughs> it's what she would have wanted. <laughs> This just goes to show that you have to pronounce your worms properly. That's there right. you go. <laughs> There's people panicking all over the country. If this is a ghost with a cold front, it could give you a ridge of warm pressure, couldn't it? Oh, no. Just checking. One of the most important events in the lives of the Torajan people, an ethnic group indigenous to the mountain regions of Tanataraja, is the funeral. Most save money their entire lives so they can have a respectable burial for themselves or family members. In some cases, the deceased's funeral is held several weeks or even years after their death, so the family can have time to save up and pay for an extravagant funeral. But the funeral is never the last time their relative's body is seen. Whenever an elderly villager dies, the body is wrapped in several layers of cloth to prevent decay. Then they are dug up every three years, admired by loved ones and dressed in different clothing. Look at Auntie Barbara, she's never looked better. <laughs> and another important element of the festival is replacing and repairing the coffins to stop bodies from decomposing. The Torajan people live high in the mountains in Indonesia. The area is so remote that many of the villages were completely autonomous until the 1970s when the area was exposed to the outside world by Dutch missionaries who introduced digital watches, the X Factor and hard pockets. The villagers <laughs> oh, no. are encouraged to marry within their family but only beyond the fourth cousin. Torajan people believe the spirit of a dead person should always return to their village of origin a belief which has deterred many from ever leaving their home in case they die while they're on a journey and their body cannot be returned. A day trip to the cities. Quick, jump in the car. Uncle Frank's looking tired and pasty. Oh. On rare occasions, a villager dies away from home. Family members often venture to the location and carry his body home. He ain't heavy. He's my brother. That brings to the end the round of Ghosts and Hauntings. I'm on four. Tim's close behind in second place on three. And Nathan's on two. And Heather is also 
on too. We now move into the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. What have you got for me tonight, Miss Morris, in the round of green men and hairy beasties? Well, surprising or not, Bigfoot sightings in Utah County are not extremely rare. Perhaps the creature is attracted to the mountains and their wilderness, or maybe Utans. Not are... extremely rare. Why yes. don't they just say common? I have no idea. Okay, I, just checking. <laughs> adding more words, I suppose. You're not going to get more points for the Why? amount of words you cram in. You're still going to get the same amount of points regardless of the number of I'm words. I'm going to cram in more words. Go for it. Okay, I can't. No, you can't. <laughs> it can't be done. <laughs> or maybe Utens are just extremely superstitious, or at least... A little stitious. I'm not superstitious. This month, another supposed Bigfoot sighting happened near Provo Airport when a family was driving past cornfields and a child passenger caught a large, dark blur crossing through while filming one of Utah's many beautiful sunsets. And that's all there is. <laughs> that's, that's all you've it. got. And that's Ta-da! it. Ta-da! <laughs> I'm done. A big furry black burr. Nice. I shall give you points. You're now up to a lovely, healthy four. Nathan, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? A man and his girlfriend believe that they have captured a bizarre UFO on camera after stopping to film the sky near New York City. The craft, which has the shape similar to that of the Millennium Falcon from the Star Wars franchise, can be seen in the clip. The footage was uploaded online with the comment, Me and my girlfriend were coming home at approximately 10 p.m. when we saw a light to our left. This thing was completely lit surfaced craft. It wasn't blinking lights, but the entire surface of the craft was lit up and glowing. The video was shared on the Mutual UFO Network yesterday. In the footage, the man who is recording the scene can be heard to say, What the hell is that? It's the Millennium Falcon and two X-Wing fighters. Yeah. Yeah. To which his girlfriend, Annette, replies, I don't know, man, but no planes ride that low. Oh, we're going with the accents now, are we? <laughs> well, Heather can, so so can I. <laughs> well, she can't. That's the problem. His girlfriend replied. <laughs> Was that R2-D2? What did you think? I was having a stroke. <laughs> These are not the droids you're looking for. That's my best Alec Guinness. You're not getting any better than that tonight. It's almost transparent, and it's definitely a UFO. They're watching us. But the filmer then adds, there's no way that's a plane. Look at the shape of it, and look how big it is. Wow. I bet that's never been said to you before. No. The interesting thing is there's so many different types of balloons out there. You can buy in the Dollar General. They're all different shapes. You've got Spider-Man, Millennium Falcon, some little kids let go of a balloon. And it's whizzing by. Mind you, that's not going to be lit, whizzing. is it? Whizzing. Positively whizzing. whizzing by. That's what a Millennium Falcon does. It whizzes. Wow. I know. A whiskey worker has captured what could be one of the most convincing Loch Ness monster sightings to date. Uh, uh, Amateur uh, photographer Ian <laughs> Bremner, 58. 
Whiskey worker? Was driving whiskey a, worker. In Scotland, they're all whiskey workers. <laughs> in Scotland, you're either a whiskey worker or you're unemployed. There's no middle ground here. There you go. He was driving around the highlands in search of red deer, those damn communist ruminants, but stumbled instead across the remarkable sight of what appears to be Nessie, swimming in the calm waters of Loch Ness. The dad of four spends most of his weekends in the region taking photographs of the stunning natural beauty. I'm not surprised if he's a dad of four. He's spending all weekend sat in the woods where no one can find him. Oh. But it was not until he got back to his home in Invergordon that he noticed three humps emerging from the water. Oh, boy. Which he thinks could be the elusive monster. The picture shows a two-metre-long silver creature swimming away from the lens, with its head bobbing away and a towel flapping a metre away, preparing to swim further on. Ian said it's part of the world that always makes you second-guess what you're seeing. When you're up there, you're constantly looking in the water to see if you can spot anything in there. This is the first time I've seen Nessie in the lock. It would be amazing if I was the first one to find her. I'm normally a bit of a sceptic when it comes to Nessie, and I think it's just something for the tourists, but I'm starting to think there's something out there. If you're fishing there, it's the sort of place where you can get a tingle up your spine and second guess what you're seeing. You start seeing things, even when you know there's nothing there. Ian's picture fits in perfectly with a widely believed description of Nessie being a long serpent creature which stretches as far back as 1933. That's a very long animal if it's stretching back to 1933. But some of Ian's friends think his picture actually shows three seals playing in the water. Ian said, I suppose it could be seals, but I'm not so sure. The more I think about it, the more I think it could be Nessie. On the back of the fact that he's selling his photographs to all the newspapers around the world. Over the years, there have been over a thousand recorded sightings of the Loch Ness Monster lurking in the water. The monster and the tourists who come to look for it are thought to be worth around £30 million to the Highland economy. So, of course, the local bars, shops, hotels and restaurants all say that it exists. This is a great picture. If you've seen this, go to my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. You will see this picture. It's very detailed. It's blown up. It's the perfect picture of the Loch Ness Monster. But it's three seals all in a row, one after the other. Yeah. It's remar- the last, really? The last seal has got his tail up in the air. Yeah. The middle seal is just a hump. He's got his head under the water. Mm-hmm. The first seal has his head sticking out of the water. That's right. yeah. I can now see that this picture is worthwhile because it shows how three seals could position themselves to look exactly like how you would think the Loch Ness Monster would look. So it's a false positive, but it's an amazing picture because when I first saw it, I thought, oh my God, he's captured the first close-up detailed photograph of the Loch Ness Monster. And then you realise it's three seals in a row. But it's remarkable. Your brain thinks it's the creature. It looks like the serpent, it looks how you would expect. Great. But they're swimming in a row. It's a remarkable picture. I recommend people go to see such wondrous things. That brings to the end the round. That is UFOs and cryptozoology. I'm on five. Tim is closely in second place on four. Heather's on three. And Nathan is currently on three. As well, we go into the round. That is the strange and the bizarre. It's the stories from around the world that are too strange and too bizarre not to fit into any other round but are too good not to read out live 
on air. Miss Morris, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? If you go down to the woods today... You'll be sure of a big surprise, because Uncle Frank is having a really good time, as it turns out. Oh. A red car family's walk in Arrington Woods, New Marsk, took a very creepy turn. From looming in the mist was not only a scary shelter made of branches, but a dead bird, pinned out as if it was some sort of witchcraft ritual. The decapitated pigeon was carefully placed, its wings outstretched next to the pond. A leaf was placed on each wing, with other leaves placed below its body, and above it several branches, or brambles, were painstakingly placed in a straight line, but who knows why. The mum who doesn't want to be named said yesterday evening's walk was already eerie enough with all the mist in the air. But when she saw the bird, she admits she got really spooked. She said it had no head. What accent are we doing now? Tell me, where are we in the world? Oh, I'm not accenting. Oh, that was just acting, was it? Yeah, that was just acting. I'm getting easily confused. You are easily confused. Yes, your vernacular changes (laughs) so often. Don't Uh, enable her. This isn't isn't the time. I'm just... (laughs) She said it had no head and it was clean cut. That was the really creepy bit. It already felt scary, but with all the fog up there, we went the way we normally do with the kids, and the dogs saw the stick house. I can't believe how many spider webs there were. Well, I don't know what that has to do with the price of tea in China. What are they smoking up there? I have no idea. They're finding dead birds without heads pinned out on the floor in pagan ritual. That's right. They're stick houses with spiders in them. And they found a tunnel near the pond, and we always walk that way, but we've never seen it before, she said. And then a giant rabbit ran by and said he was late and disappeared down the hole. Yes. Well, she didn't want to go near the the hole, of course, but she said that um, whatever the reason, the red car mom admits that she'll be a bit wary now of heading up to the woods on misty mornings. I have, in Britain, gone on walks into the woods and found all manner of pagan symbolism. Really? All manner of stuff laid out, yeah. I mean, it's generally known, of course, that in Britain we celebrate paganism. There are religious bodies all over the country. The Rollwright Stones in Oxfordshire. Stonehenge, of course, but I have gone into the woods just locally, walking around, gone off the beaten path and actually found clearings where I found paganistic ritual symbolism That's and awesome. paraphernalia lying around. You didn't touch it, did you? I know, I left, no, I didn't. I left everything as I found it. I'm not gonna, <laughs> in the same way that you'd go into a church, you wouldn't start messing around with the altar, right? You wouldn't wash your hands in the water, the holy water. No, mm. this isn't going <laughs> to Your hands would catch fire. They would. You'd have to use a pair of oven gloves is what's going to happen. <laughs> Paramedics do a lot of laudable work, saving our lives on a daily basis. But it's not just human lives they help. As this amazing video shows, ambulance workers also come to the rescue of our furry friends in times of need. The video taken by the Enfield Emergency Services in Connecticut shows its wildlife response team rushing to the aid of an adorable squirrel. Yay, squirrel! Frantically running around after getting its head stuck in a cup. It appeared to be caught in a (laughs) yoghurt pot. That'll be raspberry and squirrel flavour, I'm led to believe. Uh. And it took a team of men to rescue the panicked creature. A team of men. 
who kept jumping in the air in an attempt to shrug off the trapped cup. The paramedics eventually managed to help the squirrel, but not before an intense struggle which required several attempts. Obviously unable to see, the squirrel at first doesn't realise the men are trying to cover him in a pink blanket, but as soon as it fills the cover it begins hopping around in the air again. Nearly 300,000 people have watched the heartwarming moment on Facebook, with some users even suggesting the wildlife team should be commended for saving the squirrel. One man wrote, The two men who saved the squirrel's life should receive a commendation from the city. Meanwhile, as the team of paramedics helped the squirrel, 12 people died on Interstate 91 in a seven-car pile-up just outside of Enfield. I can't believe we're employing all these people, all these paramedics, to run around after a squirrel. Why? There's people out there dying in the streets, I tell you. I'm not saying we shouldn't help our fellow creatures. I'm not saying that we shouldn't help little mammals in times of need. But a whole team... Yeah. Of paramedics when there's so many other... I'm sure Connecticut doesn't have any problems with crime and people getting injured in the slightest no. on any level, do they? No. Nathan, what have you got for me tonight in the round of the strange and the bizarre? Witchcraft. Police on the Costa Blanca are probing a witchcraft link after a shocked diver found a skeleton wrapped in a shroud and a bucket full of strange objects. The man originally thought the items bundled together in a sheet were rubbish but he was stunned when the decomposed corpse was revealed, together with a voodoo item such as a doll, wooden stick, and yellow liquid in a small bottle. That's wee-wee. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Well, I know for a fact that witches would have I thought little... you were going to say, I know for a fact wee-wee's yellow. <laughs> yeah, good call, Adrian. I don't know much, but I know wee-wee's yellow. Yellow river, yellow river. Depends how much you're drinking, doesn't it? How do they know that's a bucket of wee-wee? It's in the sea. I know that witches would place little bottles and vials with urine and nail clippings and other things, and they'd put them up chimneys and below door frames to stop evil coming into the house. And they have done renovations on old buildings, and when they've knocked the fireplace down or they've renovated the front door... They found little vials of wee-wee. Oh. The gruesome discovery was made in an isolated beauty spot on Calp, a coastal town in the province of Alicante. Police are now trying to find out the identity of the dead person who had been buried and left to rot before it fell into the sea. <laughs> that was a dead body falling into the sea. It's going it? to be a very dull kind of plopping sound, isn't it? The instructor with the local diving center brought the knotted sheet back to shore after an expedition in the marina era. The human skeleton inside was accompanied by other witchcraft items, including branches with people's names etched on them and a cloven wooden stick. This usually indicates the end of the road, said a policeman spokesman. It was all very disturbing and suggests some sort of ritual of witchcraft or a strange funeral rite that had been carried out. This is all happening in Spain. I feel we've been very Halloween heavy tonight and a very witchy. We now move into the final round of the evening, which is not for your mother, which means you have now found us on our archive. So well done you for being tech savvy. This is the round that we can't read out live on air. The round that is, if you have a mother in the room who's of a nervous disposition, she needs to be removed. If there's small minors. Kick them out. If there's very delicate young ladies who gasp and clutch their pels and then fall to the floor. They're what? You need to 
They're pearls. Oh. <laughs> okay. They're pearls. Clutching, clutching me pearls. <laughs> a family has fled their home after finding dozens of the world's deadliest spider crawling out of a bunch of bananas in Asda. Forklift truck driver Ashley Gamble said his partner Sophia Newcomb was unpacking shopping when she noticed a small white cocoon on the side of the bananas and Ew. dropped them in panic. Ew. Dozens of Brazilian wandering spiders, among the most venomous in the world, then began falling out. That's no wandering spider from Brazil to Britain, is it? That's a full-blown package holiday right there. You don't think I might have a bit of a wander? Oh, I'm now in Britain. That's an invasion. You don't go on a wander from Brazil to Britain. You go for a wander around the local woods looking for pagan iconography. Yeah. Mr. Gamble said he tried to use a hoover to suck up the arachnids, but fears they may have escaped. It was like something out of a horror movie. Yes, housework can feel like that to a man. Uh. The spider, also known as the banana spider, arm spider, can cause long and painful erections in males, followed by death within a matter of hours. Well, let's not waste it, sweetheart. (laughs) Can they cure the whole four-hour thing? They did find out. They do use the toxins from these animals. That's how they created things like Viagra. No, really? Yeah, really, genuinely. That's how they managed to work all that out. That is the God's honest truth. That's awesome. A potent... You're very happy, aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. A potent neurotoxin in the venom can also cause abdominal cramps hypothermia, blurred visions and convulsions, just like a trip to Taco Bell. (laughs) Mr. Gamble, 28, has taken his partner Sophie and their two daughters to stay elsewhere, saying he won't return until the house has been fumigated. Get my dad in there, he'll do that for him. (laughs) He believes Asda should pay for the fumigation, but believes the company have fobbed him off. Easy come easy go oh that was terrible so where can oh. we get Can't one get such <laughs> one of our listeners posted that and i said to him i'm gonna steal it that was mitchell i'm stealing that joke and i'm gonna read it out and i don't care <laughs> so where can one get such a spider this is where we're all asking yeah surely if you can get someone to suck the poison out everyone's winning you get the best of both worlds there just see where we are how are how, How are we winning? Are we winning? How are we winning? Yeah. You said, is it not possible? Yeah, that the but that person had nothing to do with die. shoving something in my mouth to keep me quiet. <laughs> my mum said <laughs> that if I had nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Nathan, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? We go to Florida. Florida man is arrested for beating around the bush. Nice. Oh, Mr. Got Bush. It. Mr. Bush. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I worked all day on that joke. Great. You wasted a day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I got three PhDs. I wrote jokes. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. <laughs> Gainesville police arrested Florida man Thursday morning after they said he masturbated in a bush. In a bush. Nice. Where were you? <laughs> to think. To think we were only discussing Moses at the beginning of the show. There yeah. you go. He was putting out the fire. It was a burning one. There we go. Perfect. A burning bush. I have one of those. Yes, you do. Yes, you Cystitis do. is a terrible thing. <laughs> yeah. You need to drink some cranberry juice. 
At about 1 a.m. Thursday, witnesses saw John Wesley Mosley, Jr., 22, standing at the intersection of Northwest 6th Avenue and Northwest 17th Street, according to a police report. Everyone's going to be looking for that bush now. Yeah. I want to go on Google Maps with <clears throat> that location that. and find that bush. I don't want to see that. It's almost bush. like a depository. What do you think is on that bush? After hearing the wind? <laughs> I don't want to see the bush. No. no. Even if it's burning? No, I don't no. want to see the bush. After hearing the witnesses' accounts, police believed Mosley to be the same suspect from an August 23 incident, ex indecent exposure case in which a man was seen masturbating at the same intersection, according to the report. So he's taking a shine <clears throat> to this bush. He likes this bush. This is a common bush for him. But I don't like him. No. Uh, was it a trimmed one? I, these I are, have these no are, bloody clue. These are the areas I don't wish to be drawn into <laughs> at this moment in time. All I'm, so, I want to know whether it's a male bush or a female bush. Because if that's a male bush, that's sick. What if it's thorny? Well, thorny bushies. It's a thorny bush. Uh, bush. No, holly, Christmas holly, holly trees. The pointy, sharp holly leaves are female, I believe. And you can get holly that doesn't have pointy leaves, and that's male. You do get male and female what bushes. Are you I'm not to say? making yeah. this. What are you trying to say? I'm just saying that you can get male and female bushes. I want to know yeah. whether that's a male or a female bush. Because if that's a female bush, that's okay. If that's a male bush, it's sick. We, we can, I'm just saying. <laughs> we can call the Gainesville police and ask them. Why? Well, I think we should get them on air live. That would be there very interesting. Go. Yes. Mosley was also driving a Chevy Malibu, the same make of car described by the witnesses after an August 26 incident that involved someone masturbating in their car at a nor nearby location, according to the report. He's got the whole wide Whoa. world in his hands. Oh. He has. Oh. It's a small world. After all. <laughs> that's just disappointing. <laughs> I'm going to go off and buy a pack of bananas. <laughs> is, it, is it in or an Audi? Oh. <laughs> Police followed Mosley closely as he drove Northwest 13th Street and spoke to him after he parked the car on the south side of Northwest 17th Avenue, according to the report. He denied being at the intersection and told the police that he had been eating pizza with friends in Midtown. But after the police told Mosley witnesses saw him at the intersection, he said he may have stopped there to, quote, check his tires. I'm just going to go and check my tires. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Why are you going into the bathroom? Don't come checking me tires. <laughs> don't come in. Don't open the door. How come his tires were in the bush? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> You're doing your own sound effects now. Is this where we are? This is the bush. Okay, I've never heard a bush with asthma before, but I'll take your word for it. Where's this inhaler? After searching Mosley, police noticed an inordinate amount of napkins on the driver's seat and on the floor, along with... And a, hand, a handful of leaves, pockets full of leaves maybe he was taking he, home. Maybe he had a runny nose. What if, what if when you get to his house, they look and he's got all these little... Saplings growing up around. He's, oh. he's raised a whole family. Oh god! He's so, got little tiny sprigs <laughs> coming up all over in pot plants. Oh. So, so there were these inordinate amount of napkins, right? That's where we were, on the driver's seat and on the floor, along with sweat spots on his wet sweatpants. Nice. <laughs> Police arrested Mosley on char uh, charges of loitering and prowling. Authorities took him to the. Aluka County Jail, where he was released th uh, Thursday on a $5,000 bond. The first thing they're going to ask you when you go into jail, all the other inmates are going to say, What are you in what for? What are you in for? Beating mm -hmm. around the bush. Apparently. 
Wow. <laughs> That's five years, I believe. <laughs> uh, Miss Morris, what have you got? Last for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother. I am going to get double points. Double points. Double points. Let's not be... What, you're on two. <laughs> well, Let's not I be, think... What's two lots of zero? I think now in this extra session, okay. I should win. Winning. Winning. You think yes. in this extra 15 minutes you that we do. And you will know why. Go on. It's two categories. And I'm it's fabulous. beside myself waiting. I know. You can't wait, can you? Many claim they've seen Bigfoot at a distance, but one YouTuber says he saw him up close. Bigfoot, right? Yes, he was a tight end for the Vikings and they played against the Seahawks. Well, he caught Bigfoot masturbating. Oh. <laughs> I believe that primates do that. I've been to the zoo. I went to the zoo once and there was a monkey. And he was doing things that I that were just wondrous. He was like, do you know when you start to blow up a balloon and you stretch it first? Do you know one of the long, not one of the round balloons, one of the long balloons? Yeah. Did he tie a knot in the end? It was very impressive. <laughs> he was pulling that around like he was about to inflate a balloon. I had never seen anything like it. There was a little girl watching this monkey with her mother. And the monkey turned around and the mum went... Oh, my. And the little girl goes, what's that? And she got hurried off to see the camels. Oh. I came back 10 minutes later and the monkey was having a cigarette. Oh, oh. God. So I know <laughs> that primates indulge in the act of onanism. There you go. Dog trainer Peter Keane has deliberately or otherwise left viewers in stitches with his hilarious account of the encounter. He describes being awoken by his dogs barking early on Wednesday morning and then hearing something at his back door. Nice. You don't want Bigfoot on your back door, do you? That's the last place you're going to want him to be. Well, then all of a sudden... Do you know why they call him Bigfoot? Why? Well, the foot's 12 inches, I believe. Stop it. Well, then all of a sudden, up from top of the roof... Well, he's jumps, Pakistani. This jumps, took place in the Himalayas, did it? Jumps a mother bugger Bigfoot. This was not an eight-foot Bigfoot. It was 12-foot tall. He's a surgeon where he lives. It got worse. It got worse, did it? I can't believe it could possibly get worse. Because the thing was stroking it. Stroking it. Stroking it out. It was looking at me like, oh, my God. <laughs> he oh. had the face on it. Oh, I was afraid of the damn thing. Was gonna, <laughs> and it was going to bend me over a Weber grill here. In it's going to bend him over a Weber grill? Yeah, and then cornhole me. <laughs> what the? <laughs> <laughs> Is this the best that Fox News has got us here? <laughs> he claims one of his dogs then scared the Bigfoot off, but not before it... Um, Finish the its job. Business, yeah. I want, well, why aren't we keeping that? Why isn't that being scraped up into some Tupperware and sent off to be oh, analyzed? Great. Put it in one of your can't believe it's not butter empty containers you have on your cupboard. What's the worst thing could happen? There's no, no chance there of a misunderstanding, is there? The evidence of Bigfoot's passion is right there oh. on the grass, and Peter even shows it to us. Oh. Mm. Wonder what color it is. I've got no answer to that. I don't know. <laughs> there are more questions than answers. Peter says his home in the U.S. hamlet of Beaver Dams, New York, 
is a Bigfoot hotspot. He says he even called the police and researchers at the nearby Cornell University. Cornhole University. That's right. On YouTube, viewers said the video was hilarious and funny as hell. And I'm still, I have no clue where you are. I've got, I can't even tell if you're crazy or if you think you're funny. That's what I say to you every week. I'm funny. <laughs> I'll correct you. Can I not be crazy and funny? No. Just one. I've got to pick one. you got to pick yes. just one. I'll stick with funny. Yeah, Bigfoot. Nice. <laughs> you wanted points out of this story. I should get not normally, multiples. Well, why are you abusing the person who dictates where the points are going? <laughs> why are you abusing the person that controls your mute? <laughs> <laughs> Even when I can't say anything, you're still gonna get no <laughs> point. If I shout, I'll be picked up on other people's microphones. If I shout, I'll be picked up on Nathan's microphone. <laughs> oh, the joys of a condenser mic. Oh. Yeah, give the woman a small amount of power. <laughs> The force is strong with this one. Prepare the escape pod. <laughs> Talking of escape pods, when all good things come to an end, so let's look at tonight's scores. In last place, with the K2 meter and the dead battery, it is tied with Heather and Nathan both scoring five points. Tim is very close in second place on six points, but I've won and I am the resplendent winner uh -huh. of the $33,000 <laughs> IR camera. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time. And I would oh. love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, more questions and answers with Adrian Lee. You can also follow my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we now do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show in a round called Not For Your Mother that we can't put out live on air for fear of being removed or getting a hefty fine. But you can access that extra part of the show if you go to soundcloud.com and search for MQ. TA Radio. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Shaton Drain, and Nathan Bush, and all of the International Paranormal Society at intparanormal.net, and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember be interested and interesting. Good night. <laughs>